Bad snap. Bobble. Oh. Scoops oh. up. Here come the Spartans. Touchdown, MSU. From WDBM East Lansing, you're listening to the Green and White Report, a production from Impact Sports. This is your source for sports news, debates, and more for Michigan State, Detroit, and the rest of the sports world. Good morning, everyone. Welcome into the Green and White Report. I'm Zach Sudenik alongside Liam Jackson. We're filling in for Trent Valley and Luke Sloan this morning. Liam, how you doing? Doing great, Zach. How are you doing? Doing great. It's been a fun weekend of sports here in the East Lansing area. That game last night was bonkers. One of the weirder games I've seen in what, like probably my entire life, actually. Well, before we get into that, things you loved and hated from this weekend of sports. You want to go first? Um, I love that college football is wide open this year other than Bama, and maybe Georgia. Um, I loved that Michigan State went 4-0. I hated how the offense looked in the second half, and I hated that um, Rutgers decided to just, they didn't want to beat Michigan. <laughs> For me, I think the thing I loved the most came from that game, that punt return touchdown from Jaden Reed. The atmosphere at the woodshed was just nuts as he was streaking down the sideline there. I didn't like the Big Ten's overall performance, though. It was not a good weekend for the Big Ten. Iowa struggled mightily with Colorado State, and Michigan State struggled but squeaked out a win against a solid Nebraska team. Michigan struggled but squeaked out a win against Rutgers, and Wisconsin just got bulldozed in the fourth quarter. And probably the biggest one, Minnesota, 31-point favorites and lost to Bowling Green. That was not a good look for the conference. Not at all. So we can kind of get into that game a little bit last night. Michigan State picking up a 23-20 victory over Nebraska. Spartans should remain ranked when the rankings come out later today after the win. But that's a game you didn't play well in, and yet they still found a way to win. Yeah, that's that's a game that a Michigan, Michigan State teams in the last five, six years maybe don't win that game and probably just get uh, ran out of the building late in the game. And sometimes you have to win ugly, and that was a pretty ugly win. Offense was just um, not non-existent literally in the second half. They didn't get a single first down until that last one. They got an OT. Um, Peyton Thorne looked like he struggled for the first time this year. But the defense held. They were on the field the entire second half, basically, and they um, only surrendered 20 points. So, you know, it was a weird one, but at the end of the day, they're 4-0. And, um they got a tough Western Kentucky team next week, but that's a very winnable game. Homecoming, another night one, so it's really exciting. Yeah, there were a few players that stepped up for Michigan State. One of them is the obvious one, Jaden Reed. Reed had a punt return touchdown, a receiving touchdown. Also, side note, how many teams have a flea flicker work twice in the span of three weeks? Um, I, I can't think of any. <laughs> and it's also, they have two flea flickers, and they scored on the first play of two games, so... And, um, yeah, it's weird to talk about highlights from a Michigan State offense. I'm not used to it. Um, but, yeah, it's a shotgun flea flicker, too. That was a little bit different. And and Peyton Thorne kind of made a one-handed grab on the pitch back from Kenneth. It was a little too high. So it was just it was an all-around great play. And it also looked like Nebraska wasn't really fooled. Jaden Reed just burned his man. Yeah, he did. And it was a great ball by Thorne, one of the, one of the only um, – Really good balls he threw outside of the second quarter. Or that wasn't the second quarter, but second quarter he was great. Other than that, not so much. But that ball was right on the money. 
And um, he's hit, and we talk about it all the time, and everyone's going to talk about it all the time, but the chemistry is obviously there. Him and Reed are um, step ahead of everyone on the field. That feels like it's getting to the level of, did you know that Matt Stafford and Clayton Kershaw played yeah. together in high school? Yeah, we talked about that last week, the same, the same analogy, and... It 100% is getting there, and at least in MSU circles, for sure. Yeah, it's like every single time. Did you know these guys played together in high school? No, I never ever heard it at all. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it is a. Uh, it's just uh, something you're gonna have to live with for next, uh, this year and next. So. And maybe after that, I mean, Peyton Thorne, four years of eligibility left potentially if he wants them. Yeah, that is actually a. Uh, that's also great. This is a little bit of a side note, but. Very impressive that uh, Mel was able to find a quarterback with years remaining like he did, um, like Antonio was able to do with Connor Cook. I'm not comparing the two, but that always is great to find um, your guy, um, have something to build off of and and really grow from there. Well, and Antonio, when he recruited Peyton Thorne, did have a comparison for Peyton Thorne to a high-level quarterback. It wasn't Connor Cook, but it was Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Um, The intangibles, I've heard um, nothing but great things about Thorne um, as a teammate how hard he works and that's uh what Kirk Cousins was here so I can definitely that makes a lot of sense to me I think the biggest thing that I saw last night from Michigan State was they didn't give up they found a way to win and from hearing them after the game it didn't sound like they really felt like they were ever out of that game yeah they had a great mentality and I think that's just what Tucker's been bringing to this team um I think they they might they the team might have thought they were um still in the game but personally watching it I did not think there was a, a shot they were winning that game. I think um, Aiden next to me um, in the booth had basically his entire game story written halfway through the fourth, um, talking about how um, Nebraska came in and they're uh, like they're back on the come up and a solid team again. And um, yeah, then some madness happened. Yeah, I mean, I saw a tweet from uh, Lansing State Journal columnist Graham Couch that said, holy cow, these three quick takes are all over the place. (laughs) It was back and forth and back and forth. But I will say, once that punt return happened, the momentum shifted, and that game was completely in the Spartans' favor. Yeah, you got got to give props to the the fans in there. They they sat through that that really just boring um, showing the second half. And then, but wow. All they needed was one big play, and they came right back alive. And even on those big third downs on defense, uh, they were getting up throughout the entire second half. Um, yeah, there's a lot of excitement around the program in the city. Um, the city's loving a, a ranked football team and a good football team. And Kenneth Walker looked mortal last night. 19 carries, 61 yards. He broke out the one at the start of overtime that set up the game-winning field goal, but not necessarily the type of performances we've seen from him this season. Yeah, I think that's just... I I I I think I'm going to give a lot of credit to Nebraska's defense. I I think that's just I think Nebraska's just a solid football team at this point. The record might not show it, and that loss to Illinois is ugly. But um, since then, they've been very solid. They slowed down, albeit Oklahoma might not be as good as they um, have been in years past. But that's still a high-powered offense. They went into Norman and only gave up what 23, 20 points against them, and um, then they slowed down one of the better backs in the country last night in Kenneth Walker, and. Um, it, You've seen Kenneth all year break, just break a couple tackles, and he doesn't really lose yards. But last night, they wrapped him up in the backfield, and they didn't let him. Um, they did not let him break off any of those big runs that we've seen uh, the previous three weeks. Yeah, Oklahoma before that game, sixty-five straight games that they had scored at least twenty-seven points before that game against Nebraska. 
That's and now they haven't for back-to-back games because they snuck out a, I believe, 16-13 to win over West Virginia last night on yeah, a game-winning was... field goal. Yeah, 16-13. to Yeah, that was closer than it should have been. But for Michigan State, you're able to make the plays you needed to to win. And if you want to be where this team thinks they can get to, that was a game they needed to win. And they were able to do just that. Yeah, they didn't. Um, I just, just um, credit to that entire coaching staff and their entire strength and like the conditioning. The conditioning is a different kind of game this week, but like compared to last week in Miami with the um, the Heat, and then this week the defense just on the field the entire second half. But they honestly they seemed a little bit fatigued, a little bit fatigued. But um, like they came up with big plays. Panasuk forced that that fumble. In the third, um, that pick in overtime, obviously, and um, they were talked about a lot. But they bent, they bent a lot last night. But they didn't really break. They only gave up two touchdowns, and um, yeah, just credit to the conditioning, uh, strength and conditioning program they've got. Yeah, and that defense was on the field all night long, twenty three minutes and thirty seconds to six minutes and thirty seconds in the second half for Michigan State in terms of time and possession, and. It's just one of the more bonkers stat lines that you'll see in the second half. Michigan State, 14 total yards, zero first downs in the second half, able to come back and win a game like that. It is not something you normally see. Some other college football games around the country as well going on yesterday. In the Big Ten, Iowa struggled with Colorado State, but was able to come back and pick up the win. But the game I kind of want to touch on is couple of them that Rutgers Michigan game because Rutgers is a team that looked like it had been getting run all over and they really bottled up a Michigan rushing offense that was number one in the country yeah they gave no they didn't give a single point in the second half and um they had multiple multiple opportunities to win that game uh missed field goals um turnovers well their first turnover of the year actually at the very end really uh that fumble sealed it for them but you know, uh, Michigan and Michigan State have been very similar teams all year, and that was no different yesterday. They probably, both teams probably won games they um, didn't deserve to. Both offenses struggled mightily in the second half, and they're both 4-0, and they're on a crash course October 30th, and that's going to be one of the uh, bigger games here in a while. Um, I, As much as I don't want to root for Michigan, I kind of, I'm hoping for an undefeated matchup. And that one. with the schedules that these two teams have, it's very possible that something like that could happen. Michigan State's games before then, they're home against Western Kentucky, a very good Western Kentucky team that took Indiana down to the wire last night, but still a game Michigan State needs to win on homecoming with that atmosphere. Then the Spartans go to Piscataway to take on Rutgers. A tough game, but another winnable game that Michigan State will be favored in. And then they go down to Bloomington to take on Indiana, who has struggled a little bit, and the Spartans will probably be favored in that game as well. That would put Michigan State at 7-0. and For Michigan, they've got Wisconsin next week on the road, which is a huge test for Michigan. I think Wisconsin's bad. You think so? I think Graham Mertz is... Bringing out the hot takes already? Wisconsin's bad? I, I don't think they're good. I don't like Graham Mertz at all. He threw four picks yesterday. He had... What was his, his first game... How many touchdowns did he throw his first career game? Like five, five or six. Yeah. Yeah. 
and then uh, that's that was been his peak. It's been downhill from there for him. Yeah, I mean, you've got a point. I don't know that I think they're bad. Bad, yeah, bad might be a bit too strong. I don't think that they are a top fifteen to twenty team because I don't think that game against Notre Dame was anywhere near as much of a blowout as it looked like. Oh, it wasn't, but still, I don't think Notre Dame's great either. They've, yeah, agreed. Notre Dame hasn't been very impressive at all. My thing with that game is I think that. Michigan's going to have to win the game through the air. They're not going to be able to dominate on the ground. And that's what they've wanted to do. I think that's going to be a big test for Cade McNamara to really show what he can do offensively, especially without Ronnie Bell. I think that's a tough game in Madison, but it's a game that Michigan can win. Then they go to Lincoln to face Nebraska, who has been much improved. Then Michigan has a bye week, and then they play at home against Northwestern. So each team has three winnable games in between the two. And then a crash course in East Lansing, as you mentioned, Halloween weekend. Still no time on that game yet. I'm curious to see whether that one is the big noon game on Fox or whether that's maybe a primetime game. Boy, primetime, Halloween weekend, Michigan State, Michigan, that would be nuts. Yeah, I don't know how much the city of East Lansing would appreciate that, but... I don't know that couches would appreciate that very much. Yeah, I think that would be... And with the way that uh, they've been rolling out these new uniforms, I'm, I would be excited to see what they've got planned for uh, for that one. Please go blackout. That would be that please. Would, that would be super super cool. Okay. Also, can we talk about the light show that they put on in between the third and fourth quarters? I enjoyed it. That was so much fun to watch. Yeah, I think that was. It reminded me. I don't know why every time I see light shows like that, it reminds me of Yankee games. I don't because I know the Yankees do that after homers, and I don't know why that just stuck with me. But I thought that was really cool. That was it a, got the player, the players and um, the students for sure. The rest of the fans liked it, but the players and the students, you could tell, were really uh, that really juiced them up a little bit. There was a good amount of red there, but it didn't mess up the striping the stadium. I was kind of worried when I saw the Nebraska fans coming in that it would mess up the striping of the stadium. Nebraska fans got there earlier than yeah. the state fans, so it looked yeah, it was a little uh, for a while. It, yeah, for a while it looked like it was not going to be great, but the pictures of that stadium once again were just beautiful when the Spartans stripe it. Yeah, that was um, that was one of my that's one of my favorite um games when they when they stripe it. But I need a a blackout against Michigan. I think would be only if it's a night game. It's got to be a night game. Yeah, but. They are running a lot of different stuff. I hope if it's a night game, they don't go neons against Michigan. Oh, I hope they just. I hope they burned all those. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to ever see those jerseys again. Not a neon guy for I them. I. I don't. Guys. I don't like them either. Henry, how about you? You know, I. I was never a, a, a neon guy fan, but they kind of grew on me. Really? But here's the problem: is they have the state is just so large across the front <laughs> that it does. It looks really ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I think, too. But the color scheme, you know, it could be worse. I I, I kind of like them. Players seem to like them. Recruits seem to like them. And that's a big thing. Well, there you go. Because if you can bring in recruits, then that's, I guess, the I best just, option there. I just, I have uh, some of my least favorite jerseys ever are, are those Baylor basketball ones when they go neon. And that's what they remind me of. So just looks, that just looks like a highlighter exploded. Yeah, I know. That's why <laughs> I don't like it. That The Michigan's, the, the state ones are... A little more green than that, but um, yeah, I'm not a big neon fan. Well, that remains to be seen. We'll be back in just a minute. You're listening to the Green and White Report on WDBM. One more 
What's up, everyone? Welcome back here into the Green and White Report. Zach Janike alongside Liam Jackson back here to talk some more college football around the country. We talked a lot about Michigan State and a lot about the Big Ten, but there were some other teams on upset alert around the country yesterday. And we'll start with the big one. Number nine, Clemson falling to NC State in overtime. Yeah, the ACC. Um really struggling this year um nc state's kicker 0 for 3 on field goals on the day and they still get a win in overtime including a miss um the last second in regulation they could have won it uh clemson's offense has just been it's shocking how bad that they've been with the amount of talent they have and um their defense hasn't been horrible they've the georgia game looking back on it now is a bit more the defense uh it was a good it was an impressive showing by them, especially after what they what Georgia just did to Vanderbilt last night. But yeah, um, I don't think I, there's no there's no way that even if they run the table impressively, that's a horrible ACC. There's no other ranked team that they're playing um, this year um, as of right now. It's just um, it's a down year for Clemson. Down, it is down year for college football as a, as a whole. In terms of top-end talent, in my opinion. I don't know that it's necessarily a down year in terms of top-end talent as much as it is things starting to open back up. And you're starting to see those dynasties start to fall and new teams are coming up and winning big games. Ohio State's been struggling. Alabama looks mortal. Well, not against Southern Miss yesterday, but they looked mortal against Florida. Um, Georgia looks really good right now. Um but there's a lot of those teams that are kind of struggling, and the Big 12 doesn't look great either. Oklahoma's been struggling. They squeaked out a win last night against West Virginia. Iowa State, who was supposed to be really good this season, lost to Iowa last week, and then lost to Baylor this week. Yeah, they're reeling. Question for you, though. Is Baylor back? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so either. It's been a weak start to the season you schedule-wise for Baylor. You know who might be back, though, we haven't talked about yet? Arkansas. Oh my goodness, Arkansas has been really good. Yeah, that I um Can you call them back though? Yeah, I was about to say maybe. That they're they're I think Arkansas is a solid team and I think that um I thought A&M was a tough matchup for them and I thought they might play them close uh, but lose. So I was I was very impressed by um that performance and I I think I, I think I'm an Arkansas fan. It's a fun team to root for. It is Arkansas just with their logo and their mascot is weirdly a fun team to root for in both basketball and football. I was about to say they have a they came out of nowhere both they're, they're a two sport powerhouse now. I'm guessing they'll probably be ranked in the top 12 when the rankings come out today. That sounds about right. They were 16, they smoked Texas A&M. Yes, that was a 10 point game in the end. It was 17 to nothing in a hurry. Yeah. Arkansas jumped all over them and just kind of let things fade out the rest of the way. But they've been a lot better. Baylor, as I mentioned, hasn't really played anybody yet. Some teams to watch outside of the Power 5, though. It's going to be an interesting race for that top non-Power 5 team that makes the New Year's Six Bowl. Because there's a very good chance that you might have three all be undefeated. And then you have the playoff committee having to figure out what to do with that. I think if... Since he, if Cincinnati runs the table and doesn't get in, they're never going to get in under this format with like um, the way that this year is playing out. It's um, so I think Cincinnati is a solid chance to make the playoff if um, if they if I think they deserve it. 
if they if they went out. I agree. Um, because they still have Notre Dame. I mean, yeah, they already beat Notre Dame, but they have no. They go to Notre Dame, and that's a that's a huge uh, resume builder if they can get that one. Yeah, and they already beat Indiana this season. They've got a and the American, pretty tough schedule. The American isn't bad. Like they they don't have it. They play UCF. They play Memphis. Play a couple of solid teams that um, I mean, the. You look at the ACC and look at the American. How, how do you? How, do, how much better is the ACC, if at all, than the American right now? Yeah, that's something to watch going forward. The ACC has not had anybody really look good at all. Wake Forest has looked alright. They have. They have looked solid. That'll be an interesting team. It's it's just the year of the Kenneth Walker. Yep. The two teams Kenneth Walker has played for are combined eight zero. He's special. I can't believe they let him go. It's the canine effect. But a big game, you mentioned Arkansas. Next week, Arkansas travels to Athens to take on Georgia. Oh, that'll be, I actually didn't know that. That'll be, uh, I'll tune into that one for sure. Yeah, there's some big games next week. It's going to be a really fun weekend of college football. And these are the weekends that I'm glad that Michigan State's playing a night game so I can watch the day games. Listen to the slate for next week Arkansas at Georgia, Michigan at Wisconsin. Those are both at noon. Cincinnati at Notre Dame's at 2.30. Ole Miss at Alabama is at 3.30. Well, that'll be fun. That'll I think Ole Miss, I think Alabama's on upset alert in that game, which means that uh, if you're listening to this, fade that pick as far as you can in terms of betting because I am awful at predictions. Actually, I'm winning SRC's pick right now, which will not last. But Ole Miss-Alabama is there. You've got Oklahoma and Kansas State which might be an okay game, although Kansas State just lost yesterday. So they will not be in the rankings anymore. But just a lot of really solid games throughout the day. The night game, the primetime game, is Indiana at Penn State. Indiana's been better. Last year, that game sent Penn State reeling and really propelled Indiana to the top of the Big Ten. And then Clemson, who has struggled, takes on a pretty solid Boston College team. Boston College, uh, I was looking forward to them um, coming into the year um, before they lost their quarterback. But they do that is a that's a scrappy team, especially for the Clemson team who um, has not looked good at any point this season really. So you never know. And a sneaky matchup on Friday night matchup of undefeateds: Iowa taking on Maryland down in College Park. Tua's little brother is a he plays a well problem. at home. Yeah, that's that's not someone I want to play on a Friday night. Yeah, it, it's in. You said it's in Maryland. Yep. Oh, that yeah, that's a, that could be a little bit of a trap game for Iowa. Now, just quickly transitioning to another major sporting event going on right now, the Ryder Cup. It's been a lot of fun to watch. I love the atmosphere. It's my other than the Masters. It's my favorite. Um, my favorite golf event to watch. And the U.S. has been dominant so far. They have really put it on them, an 11-5 to lead over Team Europe going into the Sunday singles. Yeah, I think my favorite, two of my favorite um, takeaways from this weekend have been, one, um, just the Jordan Spieth show, always watching him, <laughs> and then two, um, Bryson and Brooks becoming friends, at least for the week. Can we talk about Rory McIlroy? Because what is going on with McIlroy this weekend? Uh, they have been awful. I think he's lost every match he's played so far this weekend. The first match he played, 
um, was a foursomes match on Friday morning. They went five down through five holes. Yeah, I don't. I I think that um, I had I I I would have predicted Team USA to win this year, but I didn't think it would be. Um, I thought it'd be a bit closer than this, but I'm not. Uh, I'm not complaining about it. They haven't won in a while. They've uh, Europe has really taken it to the U.S. Uh, the last decade in the Ryder Cup. Yeah, seven of the last nine. nine. Yep. And, and this is also the um, the youngest Ryder Cup or U.S. Ryder Cup team by average age of all time. It's like 29, a little over 29 years old for the average age. Because um, the Tug- young guns are showing off. Morikawa, Cantley, Shuffley. Yeah, and Tiger and Phil are not off there. The team, right. So that, that makes it a bit younger. So the matches for McElroy that he's played in, he's played in three so far. They lost five and three to Cantley and Shuffley. They lost four and three to Harris English and Tony Finau. Lost. Um, and then in his last match yesterday in the afternoon, he lost four and three to Johnson and Morikawa. So none of them have been close. Yeah. And now he goes out against Shoffley in a singles match that just started. But Europe's going to need a comeback for the ages to win this one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they need a... What do you need, 14 to win? 14 to retain it. Did you yeah. see the thing that happened with uh, Justin Thomas on the first tee? A fan threw him a beer and like was yelling at him to chug it. And so they shotgunned the beers on the first tee, <laughs> he and his teammate. I did not see that. That's, that's and they were pumping up the ground. The Cup, though. That was just bonkers. They are having fun. I, I kind of, uh, it does kind of suck that there, there aren't as many uh, European fans there due like the traveling restrictions, mm-hmm. COVID and stuff. Um, it always it's always fun to uh, hear the banter back and forth and that, like um, the roars back and forth between those two fan bases. I just think it's very interesting because they mentioned it on that broadcast. Normally, golf fans are cheering for like good shots, but no, they are very partisan right now. I heard, I don't remember who was hitting, but one of the European golfers was hitting. And you know how you always hear the one random guy that yells, in the hole. Yeah. Somebody yelled, get in the bunker. <laughs> I was yeah. like, bro, what? And the, I love, boo. you don't hear boos very often no. in other, other tournaments, so. No, you don't. But that's what, I like it. It's fun. I'm enjoying it. And honestly, Team Europe has really struggled in this, but I think they were going to struggle anyways. They seem to be enjoying the atmosphere. Like, I don't think it's getting to them. They are feeding into it and playing off of it. Yeah. No, they've been good sports. But this U.S. team is just stacked. Shawflay, Cantlay, Scotty Scheffler, Bryson DeChambeau, Colin Morikawa, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Tony Finau, Justin Thomas, Harris English, Jordan Spieth, and Daniel Berger. Spieth is, Spieth is the goat. Spieth is the show. Yep. If you ever need a show to watch for golf... Uh, you want to watch Jordan Spieth. And I will leave it at that. We'll take a break. Be back in just a minute. You're listening to the Green and White Report on WDBM. Welcome back into the Green and White Report. Zach Sedenik here with Liam Jackson filling in for Trent Valley and Luke Sloan. Glad to be with you here this morning. Let's talk a little bit of baseball. I know we're both some baseball guys. Pennant Chase coming on down. And we've got some fun races as we come to the end of the season. Oh, this has been a great, great MLB season. Um, a lot of storylines. Um, baseball needed a, um, an exciting season and hopefully an exciting end. 
to the regular season and hopefully the playoffs follow suit like they have the last few years. So last year we did the warning track podcast together during the MLB playoffs and it was a different format, 16 team playoff, eight on each side, crazy format and it had chaos. But in the end, it was the Dodgers and the Rays, which were the two one seeds, but it caused a chaotic first weekend. I kind of, part of me misses that this year. I do too. A lot of fun matchups. A lot of teams that um, generally wouldn't get to play some playoff baseball um, were able to. Like the Marlins, I think we were Miami, all surprised yeah. about the Marlins, yeah. And they they actually beat um, the Cubs in the first round. Um, I did pick that one. Yeah, on I do remember that you did. But I think a negative, a downside to that, though, is teams stuck in the middle. Um, if that was the um, format going forward, would be less inclined to um, to rebuild a little bit and just can, they can tell their fan base, hey, we, we, we've snuck into the playoffs a couple of years as the eighth best team in the AL. So I think it... Um, I like I like the smaller format a little bit better just because the competition's better and um, it makes the races at the end of the year more fun because um, when when you're when the eighth ninth and tenth best team in the um, in each league are fighting for the last spot instead of like the uh, like the sixth and seventh best um, it's not as exciting. Yeah, these wild card races are coming down to the wire right now. The Yankees and Red Sox are tied for the first wild card spot in the AL with Toronto just two games back. Seattle had won a bunch in a row, and they are now three games back. Yeah, Seattle's a bit of a surprise, but I, I, could you imagine a uh, Yankee-Red Sox one-game wild card game? I mean, right now in the two leagues, it looks like the wild card games are going to be Boston-New York, so a Red Sox-Yankees rivalry, and then Dodgers-Cardinals. Yeah, that is... um. It's exciting to think about, and I, I think another one of my favorite parts of the season is I have no animosity towards them, but the fact that the Padres are going to miss, are it just warms my heart. And at the, the and oh, I love watching the Padres though. I do too, but I think I love I I I'm a fan of teams like like the Giants, like the Rays, like the A's teams with smaller payrolls, um, especially when they go up against um, those big guns. I just like watching Tatis play. Oh, yeah. I, I love watching Tatis play for the Padres. But I get where you're coming from. And it's going to be interesting to watch. You've got Houston in the West and the White Sox in the Central, along with the Rays in the East, and then those two in the wild card for the AL. But that one not decided. The NL wild card is all but decided thanks to, well, the Dodgers have a 13-game lead. They'd be winning any other division by at least six games, and they'd be 17 games up if they played in the ALE or NL East. But instead, San Francisco is ahead of them in their division by two games. So the Dodgers, which arguably might be the best lineup ever assembled from top to bottom, including the pitching rotation, is going to have a one-game playoff against a team who right now has won 15 straight games. Yeah, the- Gotta love baseball. That's um and a team who has a lot of playoff experience. The Cardinals are an organization who've been there, obviously. Um, they know how to win. It's a s- scary matchup for LA. Would you wanna you wanna do any predictions of uh, 
if the playoffs were to start right now? Oh, sure. Let's run into it. I got you. So it would be, we can do the wild card game first if you want. All right. Two wild card ones. Yeah, I'm taking, um, I'm taking New York in a one-game playoff. Garrett Cole versus Chris Sale. That would be fun to watch, but I'm taking the Yankees. And you know what? Give me St. Louis. Let's go chaos. Mm. I'll go Yankees as well, even though I, it hurts me to say. <laughs> but I'll go Yankees and Dodgers. I just think um, that, Do- that Dodgers team is so, so good. I don't know if um, I don't know if St. Louis uh, used up all their magic at the end of the regular season. See if they got one more in them, but I I would take the Dodgers in that one. All right, so then in the AL it would be Yankees Rays for the second straight year in the ALDS, and then the other game in that would be Houston and Chicago. Was it Brousseau who hit the homer off Chapman last year? Yep, that was a fun series. Chapman has given up some of the biggest home runs just in. Recent MLB history, he's been on the wrong side of that. Um, I would take the Rays in that one. I, the Yankees are a more talented team, but um, the Rays just—they have such a good blend of a young talent, and then they have um, a lot of veterans in that lineup, like Nelson Cruz. Uh, Brandon Lau is hitting seems like a homer every other night this year. He's been really good, so I'll take the Rays in that one. I will also take the Rays. Um... The Yankees just find a way to lose in the playoffs when they're not playing the Twins. Um, so I'll take I'll take Tampa, and then I'm going to take Houston over Chicago. I like what the White Sox have done, but Houston's still Houston. Those uh, guys can still play. I'm taking Houston just because it seems like Chicago's slipped a little bit. Radon hasn't uh, Carlos Radon has not been as um, the Cyan Ken that he was in the beginning of the year. Um, their starting pitching isn't as good as it was in the beginning of the year, just in general. So um, I'm got to take Houston. All right. On the NL, it would be Atlanta versus Milwaukee in the 2-3 matchup. And then San Francisco versus, for me, St. Louis, for you, LA. Um, I would take Milwaukee over Atlanta. I, I'm a big fan of this Milwaukee team. I think I'm higher on them than most. And in the Dodgers, Giants, I think it would go seven. And just because I would want the Giants to win, I'm going to take the Giants. But it can only go five. True. It would go five. <laughs> and I would take the Giants just because that's the fan in me taking the Giants. And um, like like you, I'm not very good at predictions anyway, so I feel like it, <laughs> not much thought has to go into it. I'm going to continue to ride the hot hand. I'm saying St. Louis. Um, over the Giants. The Giants have been a wonderful story this season, and they're very good, don't get me wrong. This is not a fluke Giants team. You don't fluke your way to 101 wins. But St. Louis is so hot. They've got the playoff experience, and they are good. Like, this is a very good St. Louis team. The fact that they've had to win 15 games to get there is because they struggled before. But this team still has a very good mix of young talent and guys that have experience in winning World Series. Same thing with the Giants, but I'm going to take the hotter team right now. Give me St. Louis in that one. And I'll also take Milwaukee, in part because I'm not sold that Atlanta will actually be the team playing them. I think the Phillies might end up winning that division. The Phillies have a really weak schedule down the stretch, but that's that's going to come down to a series next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, between the Phillies and the Braves, and that will decide that division. Yeah, that'll be a 
a lot of fun to watch. And all right, so that brings us to our championship series. I have Rays and Astros. I believe you do too. Yeah, is that a rematch? Yeah, it is from last year. That series went seven. Yeah. Well, wasn't it? It was three zero. Three zero. Yeah. I, yeah, that was a crazy one. Um, I'll take Houston just because. Um, I don't know why. Just I'm taking Houston <laughs> just because I don't I don't want to pick Tampa uh, to make the World Series again. Nothing against them. I like I like Tampa way more than Houston. I just have a feeling I have a feeling Houston. Not that people haven't been talking about them, but I feel like there's been so many other storylines, and they've kind of just done what they've done the last few years and just been one of the top teams in the MLB. And I, I think that this that's good for them that people aren't uh, harping on the past as much as they have been last year or two. Give me revenge season. Yeah. Houston is all over that one. They went in five or six. All right, NL, Milwaukee and San Fran for you, Milwaukee and St. Louis for me. I think Milwaukee's going to the World Series. Really? Ooh. I I really want them to. I like I think it'll be I hope Yelich um can just I hope Yelich has a crazy playoff run or something and um cuz he hasn't been since he won the MVP he hasn't been No, he has uh, not been the same, same at all. So I kind of want him to redeem himself um give give uh people something else to talk about other than him not me- reaching expectations. So I think you could say the same thing with a Bellinger type run. Yep, because yep. Bellinger struggled too. Also, the Bellinger I, type run without tearing your shoulder up or yeah, whatever he did after right. ce- celebrating that homer. So I would like to first of all put out my sincerest apologies to St. Louis Cardinal fans because I have guaranteed that you are going to lose by ten plus runs in the wild card game. But taking St. Louis <laughs> over Milwaukee, I love what they've got there, and. Yeah, I'm sorry that I doomed your fate if you're a Cardinals <laughs> fan listening. Um, sorry, Julian. I know you're from St. Louis if you're listening to this. Uh, yeah, that's my sincerest apologies to the St. Louis Cardinals, but I'm picking them to go to the World Series. All right, so I have Houston and Milwaukee in my World Series. I've got Houston and St. Louis. As much as I like Milwaukee, I don't. I can't pick them over Houston, so I got Houston winning it this year. Um I think that'd be an interesting series. That'd be a lot of fun. Um, so I think Correa, ho- hopefully future Tiger, World <laughs> Series MVP. Spams eye emojis in the chat. Um, I'm gonna also I'm gonna also go with Houston, um, which also bodes well for White Sox fans. But I think that uh, I also do note that. There is still a week left in the regular season, so a lot of this stuff can change, and these predictions and these matchups can change. But as of right now, I think Houston has a pretty solid chance to come out of the AL and also to end up winning that thing. I just think they're, I just think they're such a solid team, and, and they're better pitching than people think. Yeah, and they've they're thrown under the radar too, and that helps them a lot. No, there's not many distractions, and yeah, I mean they're not even the most talked about team in their division. I know. Because you've got the Angels in that division. Exactly. Who also are just continuing to be very, very, very disappointing to watch. Detroit has a better record than them. Detroit is like two games back of the Padres right now, which is another thing we'll get (laughs) to. Detroit's 75 and 79, and San Diego's 78 and 77. Yeah, Detroit uh, has a chance if they finish strong to finish 500 this season. And second in the division, possibly. Yeah. Which would be an incredible feat. 
for A.J. Hinch in the second year. It would be, especially if they could pick up... This is the first year for First Hinch. year, yeah, my bad. Yeah. Uh, chance for them to pick up a couple offseason guys. They've talked about wanting to really push for some big free agents and try and make a playoff push next year. I'll believe it when I see it. But they need a shortstop. Yeah, they and do. Carlos Correa might be available. The shortstop market is loaded this offseason. Correa is available. Trevor Story is available. Marcus Simeon's available. Got a lot of guys. Simeon might finish well. top three in MVP this year. Yeah. I mean, he's playing second for Toronto, but he yeah. can play shortstop. He has played shortstop. Yeah. Also, them extending Jonathan Scope was huge. I like, yeah, I think that was a very... Um, and bring up smart. Torque, please. Bring up Torkelson and Green. Torque and Green in the middle of the lineup for the next 15 years. Give me all of that and bring them up next year. If you want to go for it, I want uh, Eric Haas behind the plate, maybe, or DHing sometimes. Torkelson at first, Scope at second, Correa at short, Candelario at third, uh, Badu in center, maybe, or left. Um, mystery outfielder that you haven't picked up yet. Maybe Mike Trout if you find a way for trade for him. No, no I know. In all seriousness, uh, I think they should re-sign Grossman as well. Um, hey, Grossman, Badu, and Riley Green in the outfield. Yeah, or you could, even if you don't sign Grossman, Derek Hill's a viable option yeah, in center is. field as well if you've got Green and right. That, that outfield would cover a lot of ground. Yeah. Hill, Badu, and Green. Yeah, that would be a very good defensive outfield. And a very fast outfield in terms of running. Yeah. This team likes to run on the bases, and it should be fun to be... Detroit sports seems to be turning the corner. Yeah, I was about to say. every every Except team, for the Lions, but we'll get to Every that team second. at least has something you could point to that you can be excited about, I think, in Detroit. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Actually, we'll get to that right now. Switching over to our NFL segment here. A little bit of talk about the NFL through the first couple weeks of this season. What has stood out to you? What teams have surprised you in a good way? And what teams have surprised you in a bad way? Well, I'm a Jameis Winston fan. And after week one, <laughs> I was extremely excited. But um, that faded really quick. Um, what has stood out to me? The Rams, not surprising, but they look... Stafford with those weapons and that defense is just terrifying for the rest of the league. And they've got a tough game tonight. Yeah, that's, and I'm super excited to watch that. Um the Bucks, obviously, um, they look like they're just uh, continuing what they had going in the second half of last season. And then um, I was really surprised that the Ravens, um, Lamar finally beat Mahomes. I thought that was uh, huge for them. Yeah, that's the first time Mahomes has lost in September in his career. Is it really? And it was the first interception that he had thrown in September in his career. Before <laughs> that, he was 12-0. and in September, and 35 touchdowns to zero picks. Yeah, he's, his a, he's a robot. You know what? <laughs> I, um, after seeing, and I'm a big fan of this, I, I like Lamar, and I don't, I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but after all the soft, um, unsportsmanlike calls all last week, and then Lamar flips into the end zone, and that's just fine. Yeah, the, taunt, the, uh, the taunting calls, yeah. I was like, come on. I mean, I, I'm all for it. I, well, Lamar should flip it in the end zone every single oh, time. Oh, I like it too, but yeah. I'm just saying like the flags and then you no, don't call yeah, that. Yeah. Like consistency. Yeah. It's kind of like with the targeting in college football. I just no, want consistency. Another, I don't mean to talk about Lamar that much, but that jump pass he threw to Hollywood Brown when he um, looked like it was going to be like a quarterback draw and he jumped over the line, little sidearm throw to Hollywood Brown. That was a, 
That was probably the most exciting game for me this season. So Yeah, I didn't get to watch any of that game. I was actually on a flight back from Miami with the football beat, but I did kind of see bits and pieces of it. I was kind of keeping an eye on it when I could because I was playing against someone in fantasy that only had Tyree Kill left. Okay. And so I needed to win. I needed Tyree Kill to not do much, and he didn't. So that was nice. Um, guarantees I won't finish in last in the WDBM League, which is good. The 20-man WDBM League. Yeah, tips if anybody's listening. If you're in a 20-man league, don't auto-draft. Or don't join a 20-man league. Well, that too, but yeah. All right, so for me, the teams that have surprised me, Nathan Stearns, I don't know if you're listening. The Panthers have been good. Now, McCaffrey got hurt in the last game, which on week one of the ML- NFL season, I was here, and Brendan Shabath and I were with Nathan Stearns, and we said that they're going to be solid, but somebody's going to get hurt inevitably, and they're going to struggle. McCaffrey went down, but this Panthers team looks good. Sam Darnold looks good. He's not seeing ghosts anymore. No, he's not. And... He looks good. So that's the team that stood out to me in a positive way. And I'm sorry, Henry. Have to do it. The Vikings 0-2 right now. Not what you like to see. And that was a team that I was kind of high on this year. But they haven't been able to do it. You know, I don't know what I can say. It's been a couple heartbreakers. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's been a couple heartbreakers. Yeah, Dalvin Cook fumbling against the Bengals in overtime and then the missed field goal. Why does it always seem to happen to Vikings fans? I was fans? about that. Do you have? Uh, do you get PTSD watching that missed field goal? Yeah, you know it's funny. I mean, we we. Uh, I th- I thought before that that infamous Seattle game, we had pretty good stability at the kicking position, and then ever since then, it's like we've been cursed. And uh, <laughs> that one kick just kind of brought us down. This spiraling, whatever dark dark yeah. timeline right now, where <laughs> we just cannot so, pull through at the end of games. So, who do you think has a worse? PTSD with kickers. The Chicago Bears or the Minnesota Vikings? Vikings. Just because that situation was so much bigger than... I know that was a playoff game, but they were a field goal... I mean, an extra point away from... or That's basically how far it was. An extra point away from yeah. the Super Bowl. So it, Yeah, it was... I think it was under 30 yards. Yeah. You know? And Blair Walsh was a great kicker at the time. You know, he was young and, and had been... I think it was a third year in the league or something like that. Uh yeah, that was that was absolutely devastating. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. It's been a rough, rough time for Vikings fans, and they've got Seattle today, so it won't let up. Especially with Alvin Cook listed as doubtful for that game, so that will be something that Vikings fans are not loving to hear. Also, I think the Lions have not surprised me. They're winless, not surprising at all. Feel bad for the better that uh, could have won seven hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. On okay, a 16 team but parlay. do you actually deserve to win that much money if you have the Lions money line as the last leg of that parlay at at Green Bay? No, on a Monday night. No, but it does boost your odds quite a bit. Like you get a whole lot more money pay off payout if they do win. But there was just never a shot. And I feel, win. but I feel bad for his mental health because they were winning at halftime. Oh, they look good at, but yeah, it was inevitable. You knew that wasn't gonna. You knew that was not gonna hold. I mean, he had won the other 15 games for a reason, <laughs> like. Yeah, I'm just scar- scarred as a Lions fan. I never, I can't really get my hopes up. So That's how I felt with uh, Michigan State football for so long right now. Like, that game last night, at every single point, yeah, half I just time, felt like, we half, were talking at halftime, I was like... Yeah, I went to go get a hot dog, and you were down in the dumps. You were like, winning. I was like, this game is not going well. Yeah. This is not good. Uh, well, you, you were 90% correct, because the second half was horrible. 
They found a way to win. The Lions did not, and they and will they never, not today. Never will. Yeah, one of my friends told me that his uh, bold prediction of the day is that the Lions will beat the Ravens today. I actually think I feel okay that they... I think they'll play them close. The Ravens are banged up right now. And um, a come-down game after a huge win against Kansas City. Um, you never really could overlook them. And Dan Campbell's hungry for that first win and kneecaps, so... <laughs> that is that is one of the weirdest quotes I've ever heard from a coach. I love how it stuck though. It did. It's it is definitely stuck. All right, over under four kneecaps bitten off this season. Easily over. <laughs> Easily over. That's that's free. That's free money? Yep. Yeah. Mortal luck. <laughs> I think that for the NFL, I'm interested to see how that seventeenth game affects things a little bit in terms of the playoff chase and how week 18, which feels so weird to say. It just, it doesn't seem like, seems kind of pointless to me. I know just to make more money, but I feel like um, if they're going to do that, you got to at least cut down uh, preseason games, like two preseason games if you're going to play um, an extra game in the regular season. What are your thoughts on them moving the third wildcard game to Monday night? I don't hate it. I mean, they're just... They, I kind of like it, too. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I wish there was a game on every single night. Yeah. Give me something to watch. So. Also, Henry, if the Vikings do make the playoffs, inevitably they will put it on Monday night, so that way Kirk Cousins has to play on a Monday night because he cannot win on Monday nights. Yeah, they love to put up that graphic, don't they? <laughs> every single time. You gotta load it up, huh? I think, <laughs> yeah. you know, we should make a um, like a, a chart of what each broadcast talks about each team every single game like the, that the home fan bases hate like the Kershaw yeah yeah I know the Kershaw, Kershaw right. thing. And then I that, just thought it was hilarious night. when uh Kelly Stafford took a picture of Matthew Stafford at the Dodgers game when Kershaw was pitching and the caption said did you know they played together in high school <laughs> oh yeah they they, they they know that um they have a lot of fun with it yeah there's there are like certain stats like that like for Michigan State I'm waiting for the broadcast to start using it I caught it a couple weeks ago. I used it at Miami, um, and I almost used it last night, and Shabath almost had a heart attack on me for about to say it. <laughs> Michigan State under Mel Tucker, including last night now, 6-0 and when scoring first. 0-5 when not scoring first. Oh, that's interesting. I don't think it really matters that much because in both the Nebraska game and the Miami game, as soon as they scored, they gave up the lead. But yeah. it is an interesting stat to watch. Well, they have. It helps when uh, you score on the first play half your games. That is true. That is yeah. that is very true. And also when you can uh, somehow get flea flickers to work multiple times. Oh yeah. How many more variations of the flea flicker are we going to see this year? Maybe Peyton Thorne gets the snap, flips it to Walker, who then <laughs> flips it to Reed, who throws it to Thorne for a touchdown. Like a flea flicker Philly special, kind of like something like that. Oh, that would be nuts. And also, you would need your offensive line to block for like 10 hours for that play to develop. True. But other NFL things to watch. We're going to talk about these a little bit in the Pick'em tonight. But we can preview a little bit of that Lions-Ravens game for a couple minutes. Lions, seven and a half point underdogs at home. Do you think that's something that they can reasonably cover? Um, Yes, because they shouldn't. And it's a Lions, so... <laughs> That backdoor cover against the 49ers was legendary. That they fought. They almost they right off the guy's helmet yeah. on the onside kick. 
Oh, Hopefully. that was rough. Yeah, and I mean, at least for going into this year, I didn't. Um, I usually get my hopes up, but this year, um, just the, there's just not no talent on that roster, not enough to get excited about. So, um, I can be more objective watching them this year. It sucks that Akuda got hurt. I was hoping that he would take a step forward this year, but Sewell's been great. Um, that's about it, I guess. They're not, their wide receiver core is horrible, but I say all that to say that they're going to cover today. All right. I think that it's something they can cover. The Ravens are a team that's weird to me because they got beat by the Raiders, who also, I will say it on record, I'm all aboard the Vegas hype train. Okay, good. I thought you were going to go the other way with that. No, I am all aboard I'm the Vegas you. hype train. Derek Carr gets too much hate. Seriously, he's people forget that he almost won the MVP that year before he got hurt, and then Connor Cook had to start in the playoff game, and that was not good. An but, ugly playoff game. But he had 26 touchdowns and four picks that season. Yeah, it's not, it's not been his fault. He was very good, and he is a solid quarterback. He now has some weapons in Henry Ruggs. If Josh Jacobs is healthy... That Raiders team is not going to win the division, but they will make the playoffs as a wildcard team. But they're not beating them. And they, um, I didn't know how well their fans would travel once they moved to Vegas, but they are just as crazy in Vegas as they were in Oakland. That stadium is beautiful. It is really nice. That's somewhere that Michigan State has been mocked to potentially play in a bowl game at a couple times this year. And boy, would that be fun. I bet you're wishing for that, yeah. Yeah, boy, would that be fun. But in general, I really like the Raiders. I think there's a good chance they get to 3-0. They're hosting the Dolphins today, and the Dolphins are without Tua. We've got Jacoby Brissett playing. Tua's on the IR for at least the next three weeks with broken ribs. I think the Raiders are a team that's going to surprise some people this season. I I'm think they can you. win 10 games. I'm with you. I think they can, too. Especially with the 17-game season now. We're going to take a break by or sell when we come back. You are listening to the Green and White Report on WDBM East Lansing. Green and White Report moves on as we move into the second half of today's show's Accidentic alongside Liam Jackson. Now it's time for one of our favorite segments of the show, Buy or Sell. That's my cue, huh? Yes, it is. That's my cue. Okay, I got to get back to the mic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's see. Buy or Sell. Clemson shouldn't be ranked. They're 2-2. Two two. Losses to NC State and Georgia. Um, why should they be? That's my question. I mean, they probably will be just because it's Clemson, but um, if we're just going off um, their performance this year, maybe if, if Trevor Lawrence was still there and he just had was banged up or he had a couple bad games, I could see giving them the benefit of the doubt in that um, scenario. But new quarterback, uh, offense has just been it's been bad, and um, yeah, why well, I just don't I don't I don't think they should be, but they will be probably. Yeah, I think that they should be ranked probably like 20-something solely because of their defense. It's going to look weird with that no, no, a crooked number by their name like that. Oh, it is. You haven't seen a double-digit number next to Clemson in a long time. But you're getting back to that point. And this is not the Clemson team of old. This Clemson team, I'll go out on a limb. I don't think they win the ACC. But I'm going to sell that they shouldn't be ranked. I think they should be ranked in the 20s. Yeah, no, I buy that they shouldn't be, but I they will, like, I agree they probably will be. And um, I I think, I, I as much as I hate to say it, I, I think they're going to win the ACC just because 
I don't know who else would beat them. I'm thinking Wake Forest or Boston College might have a chance. That's a big game on Saturday, then. Yeah, it is. All right, next one. Buy or sell, the Bulls will be a top six seed in the East. This is a good one. I like this because the NBA is coming up soon and just kind of getting some things in there. I'm going to sell. I don't think they'll be a top six seed. I do think they can make that play-in game. But with the additions of Lonzo Ball and DeMar DeRozan, they're going to be better. But I don't think they're going to have much defense outside of Lonzo Ball's a solid defender. But defensively, they're going to be really, really lackluster, in my opinion. Um, So I'm going to sell. I think that they will be a playoff team, though. I also sell just because um, I think in previous years this this is a top six team in the East, but the East is stronger than it has been. Um, it's considerably stronger than it has been, and like you said, there's other than uh, Lonzo Levine doesn't play defense, Drozen doesn't play defense, Vucevic down low is not the greatest rim protector. Um, they traded Wendell Carter, who was probably their best rim protector. Um, and defense matters. The Bucks showed that they were one of the better defensive playoff teams um, we've ever seen. And um, it definitely matters. Maybe not as much in the regular season, but for sure in the playoffs. But I do think they'll be um, a seven-eight seed, and it'll be they'll be a fun team to watch for sure. Um, exciting. Yeah, them along with the Hornets are going to be a lot of fun. The Hornets are the best league pass Always, team in the league every single year, and it's getting it's just going to be their announcers are just perfect for that team. Oh yeah, like for Miles Bridges throwing down crazy dunks, and their announcer absolutely losing his mind, like he's never seen someone throw down a dunk before. We're blessed that those two, uh, Miles and LaMelo, play together. Oh, they, yes. And I think Miles is really, like, people know him because of his dunks, but he's really flourished. He's much more than a dunker. He's a very, very solid NBA player. I'm happy for him. He was one of my favorite uh, athletes here. If that doc said the Hornets will be a top six seed in the East, I would have bought that. I'm buying in on the Hornets this year. James Booknight there as well. Should be a lot of fun to watch. Hornets top six. I don't know. I don't. I don't think I can do that. I, guess I just we'll think see. I just think that the because I'm thinking about I'm thinking about the Bucks, Sixers, um, Heat. I think will be higher than them. Um, Nets. I think the Knicks will be better, and then I think the Pacers are better than them. No Hawks. Hawks too. See, yeah, I don't think they're top six. See, but you never know. The Knicks were the four seed last year, so yeah. All right, buy or sell. Michigan State will finish in the top two in the Big Ten East. Um, I'm going to sell, unfortunately. I think if I'd be, I'd be much more inclined to buy if they put together a better performance offensively last night, and I'd probably be still riding that high. But, um, there's still, this is, I think this is a good football team, and I, I think that, um, the potential is a lot higher than, um, most, if not everyone thought coming into the year. But, um, there's still definitely some, some flaws that, um, I think we'll come back to bite them. And I think Ohio State um, and Penn State will still, I think the talent will just prevail there. I think they'll finish higher. Yeah, I'm going to sell. I think it's way too early for that. But if Michigan State is able to ride this streak for a while and find ways to win games, come early November, if they make it through, they made it through September undefeated. If they make it through October undefeated. Is that when you're, that, that's when you're buying them? Yeah, and it won't be decided yet because the last two weeks of the season are Ohio State, Penn State. Yeah, but if they're eight and zero, I'm buying it. 
but I'm not buying it okay. yet. I'm definitely selling. So the game after the Michigan game you're buying, or after the Michigan game if they're undefeated? Yeah, the Michigan game would be the last one. So okay. if they beat Michigan and they're still undefeated, I'll buy. I can get behind that. I, I, Ohio State still, um, I still think that they're going to figure it out. Yeah, I do too. Penn State has actually looked pretty decent. I mean, Auburn struggled last night, but um, still an SEC team. I don't know that I trust Penn State's offense. I don't know if I trust James Franklin's in-game coaching. Well, that too, but yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't love Sean Clifford. I like Dotson though. Yeah, I think he's the best receiver in the Big Ten. I think he's better. In, oh, okay, second best. I think Garrett, Garrett Wilson, Dotson, then Olave, and then Reed. Reed. Reed could be top five for sure. Yeah, top four even. All right, buy or sell. There's only two teams that matter in college football this season. That's the University of Georgia and Alabama. I'm selling. I think Liam's going to buy this one. He was the one that put this prompt on here. I'm definitely selling this. I think that those two teams look really good, but everyone looks flawed. I mean, Georgia barely beat Clemson, a team that we were just talking about that shouldn't be ranked in some people's opinion. I'm going to buy it in terms of championship equity. I think these are the only two teams. I would take... Um, that these two teams versus the field, I put a lot of money on that. Um, but I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing at all. I think that makes for a lot more exciting um, games, fighting for those other playoff spots in those New Year's Six Bowl games. Um, we could see other schools make names for themselves, and it might shake up the recruiting cycle if um, recruits these schools come out this year, sneak into the playoffs or uh, New Year's Six Bowl, um, draw some more recruits, and hopefully the um, the talent pool in college football be dispersed more evenly than it has been instead of just um, kids going to five schools like the last couple of years. That would be a lot of fun to see, and it would give us a lot more parity, as you mentioned. Yeah, that's why I, I do think it's a good thing um, this year if it's the way it's shaping. Because um, the last few years, you go into the season, you know who the top four or five teams are, and you know um, exactly where they're going to end up at the end of the year, but this year, we don't really, like, if you had to pick the playoff right now, could you even would you no. even have a thought on that? Yeah, I don't think I could either. I think, I wanna, I'm, this is a, a little bit off topic, not, um, but I think a dark horse team that I forgot to bring up earlier, I think if Florida runs the table and beats Alabama in the SEC, because um, they, they, they have a tough schedule, obviously, but um, they're not as tough as a lot of other SEC teams. And I think that's a team that um, took Alabama to the brink with their backup quarterback. So if they get healthy, um, I think Florida's a solid team and they could sneak in there. Yeah, definitely something to watch going forward. Buy or sell, the woodshed will stick as the new nickname for Spartan Stadium. I think it will. I think they're pushing it um, extremely, extremely hard. And I I don't hate it, but I think... I don't think... um, I think they want it to stick really bad just... The amount of posts about it, um, the players, coaches talking about it, um, as much as I have been. So um, I think it'll stick. I think it'll stick too because they're going to make it stick. I don't know that I love how much they're pushing it. To be honest, I think it's just kind of really in your face all of a sudden. Like they yeah. just pulled it in the middle, like in between two games. It seems kind of tacky. But I do like it in terms of the fact that I think it's going to stick and I think that the students seem to get behind it. The fans are seeming to get behind it. I think they think it's kind of a little bit goofy, and they, I think they, 
I, I think they think it's I think a lot of people think it's a little corny and I think that's a good thing though. Yeah, I think they're vibing with it. So I will buy that one. I also in one of the videos that um Michigan State football Twitter posted talk when Mel Tucker was talking he was he was on the field talking, he had a shirt that said a red destination on the front and on the back, uh there were coordinates and the coordinates were to Lucas Oil Stadium. So I think that um I think that shirt will stick. If that that if I, I when I saw that I thought about when D'Antonio was in uh, Pasadena and he made a video talking about how they were going to end up at the Rose Bowl and they did that that year, so that gave me those kind of vibes. Yeah, I don't think they're making it to Lucas Oil. Well, I don't think so either. <laughs> but either I, time, there are two huge games at Lucas Oil this year. Um, isn't the national championship there this year? Yes, it is. That's a good. I like that venue. All right, buy or sell. The Dodgers will still win the World Series from the Western Conference game. Um. Well, since we just did our predictions, I'm going to sell that, but I don't think it's um, out of the question at all. With um, Obviously, they did it last, or um, won it last year, and um, like like we talked about earlier, that um, just that's one of the better teams on paper that um, the MLB's ever seen, so not even close out of the question. Sell, 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 sell. <laughs> um. The Dodgers very easily could, and it's definitely not out of the question. But partially because I like chaos, and I don't want them to make it. But two, I just well, think that there's a lot of there's a lot of difficulty that comes from that. You're facing a red hot St. Louis team in the actually they're not even red hot; they are white hot in that game, hotter than they've ever been before. Longest yeah winning streak that that franchise ever had. And St. Louis has also won. Um, a World Series coming from the wild card game. The last time that we had this format, the team that won the World Series came from the wild card game. And it's the hottest team coming in. I'm taking St. Louis over LA in that so, first wild card game. Let me ask. Um, you said you don't want to see them because you like chaos. But what if what if they Houston was on the other side, and then they get a, you get a rematch? That would be fun. But I don't know that. In terms of just watching it as a baseball fan, I don't know that I want to see the same teams again. Okay. Yeah, I get that. Buy or sell, Vlad Jr. will win the AL MVP. Odds at plus 700. So, when we first talked about this, before we looked at like the odds of this, I thought it was going to be really close. Now seeing that the odds are nowhere near close and Otani's like minus 2,500 or something like that, I'm going to sell because Vegas always knows. Yeah, I'm going to sell, but I'm going to buy that, that it should be closer than what it is. Um, I think Shohei deserves it, but Vlad's having one of the greatest 21-year-old seasons ever. And um, yeah, he's a, he, people gave, I don't think anyone gave up on him, but um, he had a slower start than a lot of people thought, but this is what who um, everyone thought he was going to be. And uh, plus 700 is just uh, kind of ridiculous to me um, with the season he's had. And um, his team is still kind of within striking distance of the playoffs. Yeah, two and, games back. Yeah. And um, the Angels just um, haven't really ever contended all, all throughout the year, which isn't Shohei's fault by any means. But um, it's still – I still – you have to give credit um, to Vlad for um, helping carry that team. That offense is 
lethal. So, and he's this, he spearheads it. Yeah. I think that I will say Shohei Otani, watching him in person, I was at the game that he pitched and hit in Detroit. And that was one of the most impressive things I've seen. He went eight innings, was dominant on the mound, and then hit a ball 7,000 feet later in the game as well. And that was one of the most impressive baseball performances I've ever seen. Yeah. So I saw someone say that people were arguing um, between Vlad and Shohei, and someone um, brought up the triple crown point. If he would win the triple crown, he has to win the MVP. And someone said, well, there's a name for that that's called the triple crown. Even though it's rare, there's not a name for this is what Shohei is doing is never ever been right. done before. It's past what Babe Ruth did when he was still pitching in and a different era, albeit true. But um, we will not take Babe Ruth slander. No, on no, the show. no, 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 no. And I'm not. Yeah, there but, are people that think I've worked with pitchers that uh, believe that they feel like they would strike out Babe Ruth in one at bat because they feel like he can't handle. And I will not take the Babe Ruth slander. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I'm vibing with that. I don't know if I'm buying that. There are people that say that he wouldn't hit 200 in today's MLB. Do you think right now in current landscape of sports that Shohei is the best athlete? I don't know that he's the best athlete. He's the best show. No pun intended there. He is the best show in the world of sports. Yeah, What he is doing is beyond anything else. The MLB needs to market their players more. Could you imagine if this, if this, um, you can't even compare it to that. But if, let's just say, like something like this was happening in the NBA, it would be, like, I don't know. I just feel like the MLB is, um, they're trying, but I just, I feel like they're out of touch when it comes to things like that. I think they've done a lot better marketing with Shohei versus what they had done in the past with like Mike Trout. Yeah, I never in a million years thought that Mike Trout would become the um, second most popular player on the Angels. And they still would be a bad baseball team. <laughs> Buy or sell the Padres had the most disappointing season in MLB history. Buy. This might be recency bias, but I'm buying. This Padres team was loaded. They were supposed to be filthy good. They got him. They brought in Blake Snell. They brought in all these guys, and they have a two games better record than the Detroit Tigers. Yeah, I'm. I'm just buying because I can't. I was trying to think. I couldn't think of one more disappointing. Um, but there, I mean, there's probably uh, been seasons similar. But also, how many teams in MLB history have spent the amount that the Padres have, um, and are barely at 500? So, yeah, they are probably going to be clearing house this offseason. They've already fired a bunch of their scouting people. I'm guessing Jace Tingler's probably going to be gone. They're probably going to fire. Uh, they might not fire Prowler. He's been pretty solid, but it's going to be a very, very sleepless offseason for anyone that is staffed by the San Diego Padres right now. It really is a travesty just for the sport and fans of the sport that that they've failed like this because we saw them last year in the playoffs like with um, um they are just one of the most exciting teams, if not the most exciting team in the league. They have some of the most exciting players. Um and their their fan base is um is incredible too. That's a Petco's a, a great environment for a, especially playoff baseball. So yeah, baseball as a whole is just uh is hurting because um because of how disappointing they have been. Buy or sell the Panthers at three and will make the playoffs. Shout out to Stearns. 
Yeah, I'm going to let you go first on this one, Liam. <laughs> um. Okay, can I put a stipulation or no? Do I have to just buy or sell? Just buy or sell. I'll sell because I don't know how hurt McCaffrey is, and I don't. I think McCaffrey's healthy. I think that they have a decent shot without him. I'm not extremely confident in there um, because they have three and zero is three and zero. It is the NFL, and any team can be any team. But they have not had the toughest schedule, and now going into some tougher games without um, your best player and possibly the best one of the best players, if not the best player in the M- M- NFL, is. Um, they got a tough road ahead, and I think that Darnold has shown a lot. I don't think he's shown enough to carry this team without McCaffrey, so I'm selling. Sorry, Nathan. <laughs> All right, Stearns. Here's the moment you've been waiting for. I'm going to buy. I think the Panthers make the playoffs. I think this is a team that will be in the wild card spot. I don't think they win the NFC South. I don't think they beat the Buccaneers, but I think they do make the playoffs. I think that'd be a... Um... It'll be a fun team to make the playoffs. I know Nathan be extremely happy, so I'll root for him, but just don't see it. All right. Well, I think that will do it for Buy or Sell. We'll be back in just a few minutes with the Sparty Awards. Before our pick wraps up the show, you are listening to the Green and White Report on WDBM. Now time for everyone's favorite segment here on the Green and White Report. It's the Sparty Awards. I know last time I was on here, we had a little intro for this. Do we still have that, Henry? (laughs) Welcome to the Sparty Awards. Today's topic, top craziest plays that we've seen. In spirit of last night's crazy game at Spartan Stadium. We're going to go with this, Liam. I'll let you go first. Well, I'm going to pick an easy one, I think. Uh, the punt, Michigan-Michigan <laughs> State. Um, I was at... I was actually at... Whoa, he has trouble with the snap! <laughs> perfect. And the ball is free! Thank you for that. That will never, ever, ever get old. Um, so I was at homecoming in high school. Um, I was... I had the phone, I had the game out on my phone in the middle of the dance floor. And once uh, Cook threw that incompletion on fourth down, all my Michigan friends were um, laying into me a little bit. Kind of just had to take it on the chin. Not much you could say at that point. And um, instead of turning my phone off like I should have and just trying to enjoy the rest of the night, I thought I'd torture myself more and watch Michigan celebrate. But... um, we all know what happens next, and that was one of the, just one of the craziest moments, honestly, um, that I've ever witnessed in any uh, situation, any scenario. Um, just to see, my, honestly, my favorite part was to see all my friends' faces, uh, jaws just drop, and just absolutely ruin their homecoming, and I, I got great joy in watching that. Yeah. So for me, in that moment, that's obviously one of mine as well. In that moment, I was in my room, and I was. Not very happy, obviously. My younger brother is a Michigan fan. So he's texting me, little brother, over and over again, (laughs) right? And so my TV in my room is probably five seconds behind my family's in the living room. My family's all watching the game in the living room still. And 
I'm sitting there and they're going crazy and he's about to snap the ball. I hear them go crazy. I run out just as he gets into the end zone. And then I run back in to try and figure out what in the world happened. And I don't think my brother said more than five words the rest of the night. And it was just perfect for that game. That was, yeah, I can't describe Uh, that. Every Michigan State fan has, they'll remember exactly where they were, what they're doing. um, For me, it was the two plays that season or that in that stretch for me was that one. And then the comeback in the Cotton Bowl the year before against Baylor when they were down by a thousand. Oh yeah, I couldn't even watch that game. And next thing I know, I'm like, they're down one. Yeah, no, what? That was, that was uh that was a lot of fun. Also, the same year the um the punt was was this, uh, the year that uh, MSC went into Columbus with two mm-hmm. backup quarterbacks and one, and they were they were leading they were leading um both of the the Michigan and Ohio State game. For a combined uh, zero seconds, and we're two and zero in both. And I thought that was one of my favorite stats from that year. Yeah. All right. So my next one on the craziest moments that I've seen. I'll go with one that wasn't necessarily as crazy for the actual play, but just for the atmosphere that it caused. And I would. This is probably a lot of these are going to be more recent, and a lot of them for me are going to be Michigan State, but. Cassius Winston hitting that three on senior night, what ended up being his final shot at Michigan State because of COVID. But that step back three that the place just went bonkers, that atmosphere was second to none. Yeah, I'm extremely grateful um, that I was able to witness so much of his uh, his performances here. And that was, that was one of my favorite ones as well. I think um, my favorite Cassius moment was the, the Michigan game. Um, when he dropped 30, close to 30, and was just dominant that entire game. The game that Juwan Howard ran onto the floor, that was a lot of fun. You got another one? Yeah, so I'll, I'll step away from Michigan State, and I think, um, so, you know, but I'm a, the NBA, the NBA is my favorite um, league to watch, and one of my favorite shots in recent history was the Kawhi Leonard shot um, against the Sixers in the corner um, that made... Joel cry and uh that that Sixers team would have won the finals too if they would have got thrown like with they would have got through that and I wish um we could have seen what would have happened if they chose Jimmy Butler over Ben Simmons and kept Jimmy Butler in town because um those that that Sixers team was extremely extremely fun to watch and I I actually do like Embiid so I didn't I was super excited cuz I I I just witnessed one of the craziest shots I've ever seen, but I was really rooting for Embiid to win that. And then um, just the fact that they, they finished it off and won it that year um, made that shot even better. Yeah, I think my next one is just kind of a play that was more crazy for kind of the way that it happened in a big upset. And that is... Recent again, I'm doing most of these in the last few weeks, but can we talk about the end of that Florida State-Jacksonville State game? Oh, yeah. I mean, that was a Hail Mary catch and run, and then the guy just got pancaked, and Florida State just gave up on that one. But no. that that's not the crazy Hail Mary. That's just the one that popped in my head. 
The crazy, another crazy play that I can tell you exactly where I was when it happened was the Kirk Cousins Hail Mary against mm-hmm. Wisconsin. The rocket down and nickel caught it. I can tell you every second about where I was at that moment. Let's hear it. Well, it's not that interesting, okay. but uh, I was uh, I was at a party um, at my aunt's place, and we just went nuts when yeah. that happened because that was another game that I thought there was no chance Michigan State was winning. And you had to sit through that review, too. Oh, my goodness, yeah. yeah. And I didn't think he was in it when was I saw very, it. very, very close, yeah. But that's a good one. I think another one for me would be um, David Freeze's two hits in the World Series against the Rangers when they were down to their last strike twice. And, um, you know, the triple off the wall and then the homer, the walk-off homer. Um center field and then they ended up winning game seven um that was one of my favorite world series to watch in those two moments and as much as joe buck gets um like he's been better recently i think i like joe buck uh on the call in the in the playoffs but um the call he had when the off the triple when he's uh talking about how the ball hit the wall that that's totally stuck in my head because it just it annoyed me so much that I kind of like it now. So that, that I don't know why I just that that call just sticks in my head. All right, the last one for me is a Tigers one. Didn't really end up mattering for anything, but it was just one of the craziest ways they did it. The Tigers scoring eight runs in the ninth inning on the road against Tampa Bay to come back and win that game. They were down seven to two coming in and just went hit 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 hit. And just came all the way back and won that game. And that was just a really crazy game to witness. We saw something like that uh, last year with the Michigan-Michigan State baseball game where Michigan scored. How many oh, did they score my in the goodness. Night? They scored 8-2. That or, game was nuts. MSU was up it was like a ton. 8-1 to one and they lost or something. Yeah, MSU was up a ton in that uh, in that game and gave up everything in the ninth inning. That was a rough season for MSU baseball. Started off so hot, too. Yeah, they did. They picked up some big wins, and it was not pretty. All right, second part here of the Sparty Awards. We got two double-dipping for you today. Hang on, hang on. I want to give you guys a couple oh, honorable okay. mentions. All right. A couple honorable mentions. We're talking about greatest sports, what is it, plays, finishes? Just crazy thing. endings. Your crazy honorable endings. mentions will probably be better than a couple of our actual ones. Well, but. I just the number one I always think of, one of the greatest finishes I've ever seen in my lifetime. Uh, you might have to help me with some of the specifics, but... Uh, I can't remember what year it was, but it was the Villanova UNC March Madness oh, championship yeah. game, twenty eighteen title game. Yeah, I think twenty eighteen. That was sounds nuts. Right. Yeah, Marcus Page in that crazy circuit shot. Yeah, and, uh, and I forget who it was. Chris for, Jenkins. Chris Jenkins for for Nova that came down and just a beautiful play they drew up and there was no debate about it. The second that shot went in, the confetti yeah, fell. And that's my just, favorite part about it. The it confetti was, right away, and the the call was the call was perfect. Yeah, um, that's that one gives me goosebumps. It's one of the crazy finishes. I'll, I think honestly, ever in the history of sports, yeah, you know, that was nuts. I it's, it's hard to that. find a bigger moment than that, too. You know, right. Marcus Page's shot goes. Um, people forget about it, but that was the double clutch. <laughs> that was a crazy from, from North, the wing. If North Carolina wins that game, that goes down as one of the best shots in NCAA history. You know yeah. what would have been one of the best shots is if Gordon Hayward would have made the half quarter to beat Duke. I'm still still salty that he didn't make that. Not that I have any like particular interest in it, besides the fact that I don't like Duke and to win a national championship on a half court shot. Yeah. Oh, another one I have. This isn't necessarily a, a play, but just the twenty-eight to three comeback for, <laughs> for uh, when when the Patriots were down to the Falcons is absolutely 
insane if you just look at the magnitude of it. Yeah. yeah. And that was a good finish to that game as well. So those are two that comes to mind. Another good finish is, uh, I guess you could say Tiger Woods when he won, when he came back and won the Masters. That was just one of the best moments. That's a, that that's I've a ever... moment thing, the, right. the finish. But, I mean, you could also look at any of, like, Tiger's uh, m- uh, major wins and probably get, think of some good finishes in there. So. Well, yeah. What did he win the U.S. Open by like twelve strokes? Yeah, well, that was that's yeah in two thousand. That's ridiculous. He's yeah, he is nuts. Hopefully, he can get back and play golf again because he's so good for the game of golf. Oh, one one more. I was trying to think of a, a hail mary that I like, and I think I I got an argument with my friend sometime about this, but in my opinion, the the year that Auburn beat um, Alabama on the on the the kick six? Oh, yeah, duh, the that's game, a huge yeah, moment. The game before, or a couple games before, they were playing Georgia, and it was fourth, oh, fourth and yeah, forever, yeah. and they, they were down. Like, in the Alabama game, they were tied, so if even if they didn't return that, they were going to overtime. The game was over in this Georgia game, and Nick Marshall, the quarterback, throws up, not really a Hail Mary, because I think they had a timeout, so he throws it, they were like 20 yards to the game, throws it over the middle of the field, bounces off a defender's chest and then the receiver still running straight i don't even know if he knew where the ball was it just drops into his hands and they score that was my let's i think that play was uh crazier than the the kick six in my opinion just yeah because just just because there was no overtime um after like the game was over if that ball drops all right now a little bit quicker through this second part of the sparty awards the second category oh also one more crazy ending that i just thought of the Minneapolis Miracle, recently watching that game live. There you go. Of course, how could I forget that one? Oh my gosh! Yeah, what was no, that corner the, doing? The horrible <laughs> thing is, I w- I actually wasn't watching live. I was just getting out of basketball practice, um, but I I was sitting there refreshing the score in the locker room, waiting to see the ending. And I, there was nine seconds left, and I was like, "Okay, game over. We lost." And then I refreshed, and I said, "Yep, okay." The, the game ended. Uh, I had some... And then all of a sudden I looked and said, wait a second, the score changed. <laughs> and then I saw whatever it was, like a 50 yards. I had dudes. someone that was watching that game that I knew, one of my friends, was so convinced that the NFL was rigged after that play. Like he FaceTimed me to just slow the way it the down. Just because the corner kind of dove yeah. like that? Yeah. And I was like, no, he just tried to do this and it didn't work. But it, out of it all, was not good. Out of all the possible scenarios that he could have all possible ways he could have played that that had to have been the worst. He could have played the ball. He could have just sat and waited for him to catch it and then just grab onto him. He could have anything else. I don't know what he was trying to, like, I don't know what he was trying to do. Yeah, that is a good one for sure that we, we should have included. Right. But you could also include a lot of those Saints uh, yeah. playoff losses. You know, yeah. All oh, the, the pass interference one. Oh, that was one. bad. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Second topic real quick. Liam and I are going to run through these. Top four, like, sporting events for atmospheres and just your favorite things. For me, I think it's got to be March Madness number one. I agree. I think I, that'd be my favorite, too. I just, I love the way that all of that goes. I'm a big college sports guy, and I love seeing just all those different fans and the atmosphere. Oral Roberts ruined my bracket last year. I had Ohio State way deep like, I, uh... in the championship game deep, and then Oral Roberts... Going all the way to the Sweet 16 was just nuts. Oral Roberts was one of the best bets I ever made. I bet them to beat uh, Florida in the second round. Won a decent amount of money on that. And also, I forgot to mention this, but uh, Zach can attest to this. I um I called a Jaden Reed uh, return touchdown last night before he did it. I just forgot to mention that. I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, he did. So, uh, he did. He said at halftime, he came up to me and said, if Jaden Reed's going to return a kick for a touchdown... It's going to be tonight. And it was last night. And it was. So credit 
to Liam Jackson on that prediction. For me, my second one, I think this is another one that we both have, is the Super Bowl. Just Super Bowl Sunday, the atmosphere, the food. Oh, man, I am hungry now talking about that. So hungry. But just Super Bowl Sunday is just great. The commercials, the atmosphere. Not a big on the halftime show. In my, like, I don't love the halftime show. I but don't mind it. That's when I take my break and go do whatever else I'm going to do and not come back for later. Yeah, Super Bowl's two for me, so we're two for two so right now. All right, I'm going to switch it up from yours a little bit. I'm going to go World Series. Big baseball guy here, and I think the World Series is just such a fun thing to watch and such a fun event and a good series. I mean, I have no complaints. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, my number three is the Masters just because, um, I don't know, it's just the Masters. Uh, that Masters Sunday, I'm going to miss seeing Tiger and Red out there. Um, and I think I always loved golf, but 2019, like we just talked about, that really um, – dragged me back into it uh super hard so um the masters and august on on sunday that's um number three for me for me i think that if this was in april i would definitely see the masters here i put the Ryder cup probably because i've been really big into watching the Ryder cup and the atmosphere has just been phenomenal at whistling straits over in wisconsin right on the shore of lake michigan it's beautiful and so just that atmosphere of that team competition the U.S. versus Europe and all that stuff. I really am enjoying it. So I went that on number four. Number four, I could have went a lot of different ways here. It took me. This was the one that I wasn't sure of. But I put the NBA Finals just because, like I said, the NBA um, my favorite league to watch. And it also helped that um, the last few NBA Finals have been very entertaining, and especially this last year, Giannis um, getting his. So... I was really uh, tuned into that, and so that's why I uh, have it at number four there. All right. Any honorable mentions for us, Henry? Well, I think you guys got it pretty well covered, don't you? You could say uh, Wimbledon or something like that, or you know. Yeah, I thought I thought about one of those. Wimbledon's fun to watch. I'm not as much of a tennis guy. I'm kind of I'm, I'm kind of mad that I didn't think of that. I love I play tennis a lot all the time, and yeah, Wimbledon would probably be in my top four over the NBA Finals. I feel like the Stanley Cup playoffs are fun too. Yeah. Um I'm oh, not there's as, no wrong answers. Yeah, I'm not as huge of a hockey guy, although I'm trying to get into it a little more this year now with ESPN having oh, the rights. The World Cup. Oh what yeah. Am I doing? Yeah. I yeah, the World Cup or the Olympics. I mean we are we are struggling on these Sparty Awards <laughs> today, guys. Just too many too many fun things going on. There are, and it's just there's so many. As you said, there's no wrong answers. All of these are a lot of fun. We're going to step aside, be back with Pick'em in just a couple minutes. You're listening to the Green and White Report on WDBM. Welcome back into the Green and White Report. Zach Sedenik alongside Liam Jackson. Also have to say, our producer, Henry Menegos, has been once again spot on with the song selection today. Feeling good vibes here on this Sunday afternoon at... The WTBM Studios. Now, before we get into our pick'em, just want to give a quick kind of update on what you can expect here coming up. Some events, Michigan State sports going on, and some things we'll be covering here with Impact. Michigan State women's soccer is in action right now over at DeMartin against Minnesota. And the Michigan State men's soccer team is in action as well. They are taking on... 
an Indiana squad that was number one in the country at one point this season. That should be a fun game to watch. As well as the big one coming up is Michigan State and Western Kentucky homecoming at Spartan Stadium or at the Woodshed, whatever you want to call it, as Michigan State looks to get to 5-0 and for the first time since 2015. Yeah, that's going to be a, a lot of fun. And uh, luckily for Michigan State, um, they they were able they got a, a film on Western Kentucky against another Big Ten opponent as they played Indiana last night. A weird game for Indiana to schedule a night game on the road at a Western Kentucky team who can score some points. And they gave Indiana just about as much as they can handle. So Michigan State, uh, they're not just going to be able to show up and win the game. It's going to be a, it's going to be a good one. And um, we'll see if the defense can hold like they did this week. Myself and Brent, or and excuse me, Brent Shabath was on the call with me this week. Myself and Nathan Stearns will be on the call next week from Spartan Stadium. That's a 7.30 kick. Spartan Red Zone pregame show starts at 7. Update on that women's soccer game. Still no score between the two squads. Michigan State looking to rebound from their first loss of the season, dropping a game at home against Wisconsin on Thursday night. And now it's time to get into our pick'em. We're going to pick all of the NFL games against the spread. Our producer, Henry, will be jumping in on these as well. Ready to get going? Let's do it. All right, first up, the Washington football team is in Buffalo taking on the Bills. The Bills are a seven-point favorite. Um, I think the Bills are going to cover. I'm also a little biased because I will be spending my 22nd birthday in Buffalo at a Bills-Panthers game, so I'm rooting for both those teams to be um, as good as they can be going to that one. Yeah, give me Buffalo here as well. Uh, I like Buffalo at home. I like them with the points. Uh, they took care of a bad team in Miami last week. Uh, I don't. I don't see them taking a step back this week. I really like Washington's defense, and I think this Washington team is solid. But I will take Buffalo as well. No love for Taylor Heineke. He's good, but not not against this Buffalo team. All right, the Chicago Bears and Justin Fields' first start on the road, taking on the Cleveland Browns, plus seven and a half for Chicago. Um, I like Chicago to cover. I think that they will. I think Cleveland will win. I think it'll, Chicago will cover, though. Um, I think. I think there'll be some new life injected in them with Fields' first start. Um, the defense played a little better last week, and yeah, let's just see. Um, I think they'll. I think Cleveland will win. Um, Chicago cover. Yeah, I'm on the same boat. Actually, I like Cleveland. Uh, I like what they're doing this year. Um, I like them at home, but I think uh, with Fields' first start, a little bit of energy. So I'm going to take uh, Chicago to take the points, but Cleveland will come out with the win. Give me Cleveland to cover here. Chicago's been solid, but they have not played that well in terms of with Justin Fields at quarterback. He hasn't been that great yet. This game is in Cleveland, a game that Cleveland really needs to win. So I'm going to take the Browns. All right, the next game is the Colts on the road. In Tennessee, taking on the Titans, they're plus five. Um, give me the Titans to cover. Uh, Derrick Henry was just masterful last week, um, and I think that he will continue to do so. Colts have had a tough start schedule start the season. They had they start Seattle, then the Rams, and now Tennessee. This is a big game, though. Um, 
I think it's going to come down to these two teams to uh, who's going to win that division. So early season uh, divisional matchup, and I think that Derrick Henry will continue uh, the dominance that he um, that he displayed last week. Yeah, my roommate's a Colts fan, so I'm going to do this next one for him. I mean, the Colts money line here. Like you said, I think they had a tough start to the season. But uh, i got to believe there's a little bit of juice left in that tank for Carson Wentz. And, you know, maybe they're a team that uh, still has a lot of firepower left in them. So, yeah, give me Colts money line. Have you ever heard of someone spraining both their ankles at once? <laughs> I have not. It's Car- I've, he's Carson Wentz is playing today, but I, that was an unfortunate injury for him. Yeah. Like you said, Wentz is playing. I don't know that he's that healthy. The Colts haven't looked that great. Um, I'm going to take the Titans here. Next game, the Chargers heading to Kansas City. Chargers are plus seven. I'll pick this one first, and I will throw it all on the Chiefs here with the points. They lost to Baltimore last week. Mahomes has only lost one game in September in his life, and it's that one. Uh, Give me the Chiefs by at least seven. I think the Chiefs are going to win, but I I like how scrappy the Chargers have been. They probably should have beat the, the, the Cowboys last week. I think that it'll be a close game, but Mahomes will just make uh, more plays in the end than, than Herbert and the rest of the Chargers. Yeah, I'm saying I got to believe that the Chiefs are uh, are not are only going to be on a little bit of a revenge after that last game. Uh, not the stellar start to the season they, they're accustomed to, I suppose. Um, give me the Chiefs outright here. All right. New Orleans heading to New England, and the Saints are a two and a half point underdog, so plus two and a five, two and a half. I'm going to take the Saints to win this one outright. I think that the Saints are the better team. I'm not sold on Mac Jones yet, and uh, I'm going to take New Orleans. Yeah, you stole my thunder. Um, I'm also going to take New Orleans because. Um... It's the Jameis show. He has one great game, one bad game. He's due. Um, so <laughs> I think they'll. I think they'll win. Um, Mac Jones has some advanced stats that look good, but he doesn't throw the ball over like four yards. So um, I'll take Saints and Jameis. I was gonna take the Saints, but let me let me be a contrarian. I'm gonna take. Uh, I'm gonna take the Patriots at home. I, I'm still not sold on Jameis Winston, and I think uh, Bill Belichick is uh, gotta be gotta be competent enough. I don't know if that's the right way to put it. But I, I believe in Bill Belichick enough at home to uh, to pull a game out like this. All right. Atlanta heading to MetLife Stadium to take on the Giants. Atlanta plus two and a half. Um, I'll take the Giants. Um, I like. I, I think that um, Saquon will uh, start to figure it out here. Um, I don't love Daniel Jones, but I don't know why I'm. Uh, I don't. I don't really have a rhyme or reason to take the Giants. I just think they're going to win, and they they had a disappointing loss uh, last Thursday um, to the football team. So I think that they uh, they know they need this one, and they're going to come out play hard and, and win it. This is kind of a bluff game for me. You know, not not too excited about either one of these teams. Um, I'm going to take the Falcons here just because I can't I can't imagine a world where I'm, I'm picking the Giants. Um, <laughs> I do like Saquon and. I know Daniel Dimes is or Danny Dimes has shown flashes, but give me the Falcons. I'm going to pick New York here, um, partially because I think that they might be able to bounce back, but also it's a game that they need to win if they want a chance in a bad NFC East. So I will take the Giants at home. 
Next game, Joe Burrow and the Bengals heading to Pittsburgh. A surprisingly small spread, in my opinion. Just plus two and a half. The Steelers just, when they win, it never is convincing, though. That's the that's the thing. Um, I really want to take the Bengals. I just can't do it. So I'm going to take the Steelers to cover that. Like you said, two and a half is kind of small. Um, T. Higgins is out for the Bengals. And Joe Burrow, is, uh, week one was uh, very solid last week. Um, made a couple of bad decisions through a couple of interceptions. Steelers have a great defense. I think T.J. Watt's going to get to Joe Burrow and uh, be living in the backfield today, so I think Steelers will cover that. Uh, I kind of like what I've been seeing out of the out of the Bengals so far this year, and maybe that's just because they took down my Vikings week one. <laughs> but uh, I believe in Joe Burrow, or I want to believe in Joe Burrow, so give me the Bengals uh, to not only cover, but to take a, take a win here. I will take the Steelers here. As much as it pains me to pick the Steelers, I don't know why. The Steelers are one of those teams that I just like. There are teams that sometimes I don't really have a reason for, but I just can't stand them sometimes. And mm-hmm. the Steelers is one of those for me right now. But I think that it's going to be a game that the Steelers win by at least three points. And if that's all the spread is, I'm going to take the Steelers. All right, the next game on the list, the Jaguars hosting the Cardinals. Seven and a half point underdogs. Yeah, I'm going to take the Cardinals to cover. I think I'm really high on the Cardinals and Kyler Murray this year. Um, he's just a wizard um, under center and um, a potential MVP candidate. Jaguars have been reeling. I don't love Urban Meyer. Um, Trevor Lawrence, still early. I just don't think that they're uh, – I just don't feel it with the Jags, so I'm going to take the Cardinals to cover that. Yeah, this is kind of a lot of points, but um... – I, I agree. I, the the Jaguars have looked pretty pretty awful this year, and I'm kind of high on the Cardinals as well. I think Kyler Murray looks good. So, uh, yeah, give me give me the Cardinals to cover here and win. Obviously, obviously win. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I'm going to go with the upset pick here. I think the Jaguars at least cover, and they might win this game. I don't know why. But you're I feel always, like you're, you're always good for one of these uh, big underdog picks. I love it. I feel like. There's a chance that Trevor Lawrence is going to have a really good game against one of these teams and upset them. And the Cardinals are not great defensively, which makes me think that there's a chance that this is the day that the Jaguars surprise them and pick up a win. Next game, the Jets in Denver are 10-point dogs. So Broncos, uh, hot start this year, um, but... I think they'll win. I don't think they're going to cover 10. I just don't I don't love Teddy Bridgewater. I don't think that um, they'll score enough points to outscore the Jets by 10. Um, but I think that they'll win um, pretty easily. I think they'll be controlling the game. Yeah, I, w- I was going to agree with you, actually, because this is a lot of points, and I don't I don't think uh, <clears throat> necessarily the Broncos have that, that capacity to uh, to go over 10. But I do love Teddy Bridgewater, so now I'm going to change my pick. And uh, <laughs> Teddy Two Gloves is my guy, so give me the Broncos here. Yeah, give me the Broncos. Um, I don't care what the spread is. It can be 40. Well, not actually, but point remains. I'm not picking the Jets. I am not sold on Zach Wilson. I'm not sold on this Jets team. Um, I will take the Broncos to cover. Next game is one that would have been a sneaky good game, but now I don't think so without... The quarterback, Dolphins, heading to Allegiant to take on the Las Vegas Raiders. 
Uh, give me the Raiders. Plus three and a half. Is yeah, good. yeah. Give me the Raiders to cover that, and I think that that is way too small of a spread. I think that they will cover that easily. And uh, we were talking about it earlier, but both of us like the Raiders. How do you feel about the Raiders? Uh, I'm a big John Gruden guy. A little bit of a Derek Carr guy, so I guess I like the Raiders. But I'm not. I'm not really sold on them. Um, but I guess I'm gonna take this. Uh, I'm gonna take this for another win for them and the clubber here as well. Yeah, I agree. I'm all on the the Raiders hype train here at this point. Might jump off it in a couple weeks, but we'll see. No, I think they're going to be really, really good this year. All right. We're going to jump over this next one on our dock and go to the Vikings-Seahawks game. Vikings are hosting Seattle plus two. You can lead us off on this one. Yeah, this is an easy one. Vikings by a million, so uh, <laughs> they're due for a win. Uh, I think I think they've shown flashes the last couple of games of uh, you know the star power that they have on the offensive side of the ball. Defense a little weak at times, but uh, yeah, give me the Vikings here. They're due for a win. I'm not sold on Seattle that much. Um, I think this is an easy one. I'll be friendly. I'll take the Vikings too. They have uh, two just brutal losses this year, and um, sometimes it comes when you least expect it. So without Dalvin in a tough environment. Maybe they'll get it done. So I'll take the Vikings to win, too. So this is the game that the Vikings would win, knowing the Vikings. But I'm going to prepare myself for the buzzer sound I'm about to get. And I'm going to pick Seattle to win this game. Um, Catch me outside. How about you? (laughs) That was so much better than the buzzer. Um, I think Seattle wins. Even though I think the Vikings could win this game. Like I said, this is the type of game that they've won in the past. But uh, they always seem to struggle with Seattle. So I'll take the Seahawks. Next up, I'll pick this one first. Sunday Night Football, Packers at San Francisco, plus three. So I'm going to take the Packers to win this game outright. And I think they're going to be a lot better than they have been. I'm going to go with the 49ers just because... um... I don't trust their performance against the Lions just because it was the Lions. So um, the 49ers have looked good, so I'll take the 49ers. I just can't. I can't. Uh, I can't do it. I got to take the 49ers. You know, I can't. <laughs> I can't pick the Packers. They looked good last week against your Lions, but uh, I just can't do it. So give me the 49ers. All right. Speeding through these last couple Monday Night Football Eagles at Cowboys plus three and a half. Uh, give me Cowboys. Uh, I'm a big fan of Dak. I think we'll get it done. Uh yeah, you know what? Cowboys look pretty good this year. Dak Prescott looks uh, a lot healthier than I thought he'd be. I think they can cover three and a half on Monday night, so give me the Cowboys. I agree. I think Cowboys win and get a good start to the season, even after losing that first game to Tampa Bay. I think they pick up the win there. Now, I saved what I think is the best game of the week towards the end, and I saved the Lions game for the end. So, a pick 'em. Bucks at Rams. Rams, let's go. I don't. I I will be a big Rams fan at four thirty this evening, um, just because big Matthew Stafford fan, and I want the Bucks to lose. Yeah. So this is this is the afternoon game, four o'clock game. I'm guessing. Yep. Yeah. This is a good game. So at a pick, I'm even too. Wow. Wow. Rams have Rams have looked good this year. Your, your boy Stafford has looked good. Um, and this is a good game. I'm gonna be getting my popcorn for this one. Yeah. I, I like the Bucks with Tom Brady guy, but give me give me the Rams actually. And just pick them. I'm going Rams. Antonio Brown is out. He won't be playing for the Buccaneers. I think the Rams pick up the win here. And the last game, 
not necessarily as exciting as that Bucks one, unless you're from this area. Lions hosting the Ravens. Lions plus seven and a half. Uh, as the show's gone on, I've gotten more and more excited to watch this game. So Lions are going to cover, and they might mess around and win. <laughs> uh, yeah, seven and a half points against the Ravens. Uh, this is a one o'clock game. Yep. Man, I think they can cover seven and a half, can't they? Give me yeah. the Lions. Let's go. Give me the Ravens. Um, I'd love to see the Lions cover. I don't think they do. I don't think the Lions are that good. Um, and so I will take Baltimore in that one. And all you listeners can boo me as you get on your couch to watch that game. But we'd like to thank you all for listening to the Green and White Report. Tell a friend about the show if you missed any of it. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. It has been a pleasure to be here for our producer, Henry Menegos, on the board. My co-host, Liam Jackson. I'm Zach Sardenic. Thank you. And this has been the Green and White Report on WDBM East Lansing. You have been listening to The Green and White Report on WDBM. For all your sports news and notes, go to impact89fm.org slash sports.